In this episode, Rick tries to explain to me that there are people who know how to grow businesses, and I stubbornly insist otherwise. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about founders who are in it for the long haul. I'm Rick, and I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. And I'm Tyler. On the side, I work with Rick on Leg Up Health, but my main business is a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. What's up this week, Tyler? What's up, Rick? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, how's it going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me We're, what's up with you. Um, well, it's it's holiday season, so yeah, we sorry listeners, we missed last week because of Thanksgiving. Um, so we're on a new schedule now, but uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, are does everything slow down for the holidays like everywhere you've ever worked, or have you ever been in an environment where it actually kind of keeps going? For Thanksgiving in particular, I think it's it's a holiday that really shuts everyone down. Um, mm-hmm. I actually really appreciate it for that reason. It's one of my favorite holidays because I really do think people turn off. Um, uh, around Christmas, it's different for for uh, depending on like especially in the health insurance industry, it's still pretty wild. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a big New Year's kind of a lot of like people's fiscal years end on December 31st, and so if you're in sales, you're like trying to close deals that last week. Well, it's interesting. So I, I've heard that about enterprise sales. Uh, it, that's certainly like selling to small businesses. I, like the question is, is your customer working or not? Um, if, if you're B2B at least. And we, our customers are small businesses that they tend to not work in December. So they, January hits and they're like, oh, you know, New Year's resolution. I'm going to get a CRM. I'm going to get organized this year. Whereas any bigger company, they have to be like in October we're going to try to set a CRM up in January. Like they, they have to buy in October in order to start using it in January. Um, so, but, but we don't have that enterprise thing where December, like closing deals by the end of the year is a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, if someone wants to buy something, they, they buy it online. They don't like talk to someone at your company. Yeah. But, but like our it, things slow down dramatically uh, between Thanksgiving and New Year's. In terms of like people coming to the website, like what's your, what's yeah, your everything, everything like yeah, our inbound, use, inbound usage support. from our current users goes down and then bounce like kind of it, it maybe takes a little bit in January for it to fully ramp back up. But um, like January, February are kind of our probably busiest times of the year in terms of new free trial signups anyway. This like today, t- yesterday and I would just say like today and yesterday are like some of the busiest days that that I've seen for JD at Leg Up Health so far. Um, so like coming out, I, I, that Friday after Thanksgiving in the health insurance space, uh, it seemed like people were like, Oh, like I'll take care of my health insurance. And it yeah. just sort of has, has kept up since then. I need to remember this. And you probably already know this cause you've worked in health insurance for a long time, but I kind of was thinking open enrollment starts November 1st and goes t- till December 15th. Right. Um, uh, technically January 15th, but there's a December 15th uh, cutoff for January 1st start dates. Yeah. So for most people, it's Dece- it's <laughs> anyway, but I, so I'm kind of going into it. I think I made the same mistake last year where I was like, all right, November 1st, things are about to get crazy. And then they get busier from what I hear from you and JD. But then it's really like, it makes sense. Nobody's taking care of their health insurance day one of open enrollment or, or very few people are. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, I was looking at uh, Health Trippa is a big um, platform in the health insurance space, and they do a lot of the marketplace enrollments through agents like Leg Up Health. Um, th- I think they're reporting like a few weeks in, like two million enrollments, which is a small fraction of the total enrollments that, that get done during open enrollment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but sorry, two million through Health Sherpa or two million like total? Uh, well, I mean, 
most of the enrollments happen through Health Sherpa. So, oh, like um, everybody, just everybody uses Health Sherpa. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um. So I, I think, but like I, I think you know, there's over eight million, like, individual enrollments, and that that you know, if you're talking about people, I think it's, um, even more than that. Yeah. Hmm. Um. But yeah. So in addition to sales slowing down and stuff like that. I, I agree with what you're saying that Thanksgiving people tend to really take off and um, all that. I do think if history is a guide, there are so many ways in which we all t- tell ourselves an optimistic version of like how much we're going to get done. Like we as a company are going to get done. And there are all kinds of things that mess it up. Like, for example, I'm like, oh, a developer has five days. What can you get done in five days? And it's like, well, I forgot that uh, Monday and Tuesday are generally spent fixing bugs. Like we, we, have bugs wait for monday um so every developer comes in on monday and has a couple bugs to fix and it's like oh they they actually only have like three and a half days they don't have five days that's an example but one of those is i always just think of like december is like any other month and i'm like what's the timeline gonna look like and it's like oh half the team is out for most of the month um nothing gets done you know (laughs) yeah so kind of in hibernation i personally love it though i mean i mean I got so much work done the week of Thanksgiving because I was working Monday through Wednesday and most other people weren't. So I didn't have a single meeting. It was super productive for me. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it was mostly just getting caught up um, just in time to get behind again. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we've got our exec offsite at uh, Windfall uh, in San Francisco next week. And that is just something that, you know, before it, you, you have this big crunch and then during it, you're basically off the grid for three or four days and mm-hmm. it'll just put me behind again. So Chris, by Christmas, I'll be caught up again. God, this is how I feel about like diet where, where I'm like, every time I like weigh myself and I'm like, that's a good weight. And then I'm like, well, I guess that means I can eat whatever I want today. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of oscillating back and exactly. forth. You know? <laughs> um, cool. Uh, yeah. So I mentioned last time I've been coding a lot lately, uh, or I, I kind of started picking up the coding stuff. That's still going on. I, um, I'm i like shipping stuff. I've deployed like seven things, not like big feature. Like you, you try to break things into tiny little pull requests uh, when possible, but I've been like actually shipping stuff, um, which feels good. I and, Yeah. And so like I... What, I can't remember what we talked about last time. Was it that? Yeah. So we, t- I kind of asked, and I actually wanted to give an update on this. The conversation then was, I was kind of saying like, should I work on the stuff I know how to do? Um, which is basically, you know, a lot of the code in our code base is still stuff either I wrote personally, or at least I wrote like the foundation and maybe there's new code on top of it, but it still uses like the way I used to code. And then, and that's especially the back end still works the way it always did. And the front end is in React, and there's like TypeScript, and there's all this new stuff. So I framed it as, should I write React code? That's uh, I've talked with more people about it since then. That was the wrong way to frame it, I think. The real question I've I've had, because honestly, I know React. I don't know why I was framing it that way. I'm, I'm comfortable enough in React. I set up our whole React environment. Um, the real question is, should I follow all the rules of the developers? Because mm. something I'm realizing as I... There's like a ton of process and procedure and institutional knowledge and stuff that has been developed while I, you know, I went many years basically not coding on our code base. And now it's like, just like, let me give a concrete example, but there's like a million other things like this. It used to be, I write some code, I commit it, I push it to GitHub, I deploy it, done. 
Now it's you commit it. A, it has like we have unit tests that have to run and maybe they pass and maybe they don't. If they fail, then I have to go back and get it working and stuff like that. And then we have two rounds of code reviews. So I have to like request somebody to review my code and then they approve it. And then it goes to a second person and then they approve it. And then we have kind of this system for I have to like go in the deploy queue and say, I want to like raise my hand. I want to deploy and it tells me when it's my turn. I have to deploy it to the dev server, test it there. I have to deploy it to production. Like, there's just a lot more overhead in doing anything. And it all exists for a reason. Um, we take the server down a lot less than we used to, you know, stuff like that. But I am kind of, again, that's just one version. There, there's a, a bunch of other stuff. It's not just that deploy flow. I'm trying to figure out how much I should follow all the rules versus how much I should be like, you know what? I've got this brief moment in time where I can code. I'm just going <laughs> to be a cowboy and go do it. <laughs> Why have you landed anywhere? Nah. So there are things that what I don't want to do is I don't want everyone else on the team to be like, damn it, I wish Tyler would stop coding. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like if I create a bunch of bugs that they have to fix, they're going to resent me there. I don't want that. But what I am trying to figure out is like. So being a founder is kind of a superpower and especially a product like I'm a product designer and so, like, let me give you an example of like where I'm. What I'm trying to think is, maybe I should operate a little bit outside of the team because I can do things they can't. An example of this is if you're the normal process for someone getting work done. I think this is true on pretty much any dev team. Is okay. Here are the designs. Implement them and ship them. That's kind of the flow. And if something's horribly wrong, come back and tell us. But mostly, do what the designs say. The the reality is half the time when you get into the implementation phase, you're like, ah, this design's not quite right, or we designed it this way, but like I could cut out 90% of the work by making the design slightly worse, and that's a trade-off I'm happy to make. Uh, I can just make that decision and go. Any developer kind of has to say, well, I need to go talk to either Tori, our designer, or me. I need to like run it by them. There's just overhead and like every decision kind of creates this new design to dev cycle starting from scratch again, and it slows things down. So a part of me is thinking what I might do is just go through and find all this stuff that needs really quick decisions and just knock that stuff out uh, because other developers, it's not that they're not good enough technically to do it, it's that they don't have the autonomy to do it. Yeah, it's a very interesting. I'm I, at Windfall. I'm in revenue operations, and there's a lot of there, there's like different types of tasks. There's like tasks that are like independent and like can be done, and there's no like ramifications, like like or cascading effects of uh, uh, dependencies or like uh, potential downsides of it going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are very easy things to delegate, and and you don't have to go through a whole lot of like process to to go from start to finish. Um, there are other things though, where you have an automation that needs to be updated. For example, um, there's historical context about that automation. There's, uh, multiple dependencies. Um, uh, there's, uh, potentially like, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, education needs to happen, uh, post. Um, and so, uh, it, it, to actually ask someone to go do that for them, for someone else to go do it other than me, uh, it take they have to like go through a learning process. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Meetings, have to probably, yes, uh, and I could do it in ten minutes. Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. And the 
I know the, the, the other side of the coin is, well, okay, now you're doing everything. Like, yes, you can do any one thing faster than someone else can. And again, I'm not saying because I'm a better coder or whatever. I'm just saying, like, I can do it all by myself without running it by anyone else. But, like, when you're a solo founder, this is where you get into trouble. Or, or like, when you first start hiring people, you're like, well, I can do it faster than you can. I can do it faster than it would take my uh, of my time to explain to you how to do it. Why have you do it at all? Like, that's the trap you can fall into. Um, anyway, I, that's probably yeah, not even related. But but it is only only to the extent that, like, your team is not optimally functioning. Like, so to me, this isn't a question of, like, this thing absolutely needs to get done. Um, who, who's who's going to do it? It's like your team is at capacity executing. There are things on the side of that that aren't getting done. Um, if you If you don't do them, they're not going to get done, it sounds like. So why wouldn't you just do them? Yeah. Okay. So the reason why I think is, so let me give some examples of this. Um, there's a lot of little design issues in the app that I just, I just went through one. I said, I have deployed like a handful of things. One of the things that I just went through and fixed like a handful of little, oh, when you mouse over this thing, there's no indication that it's clickable, but it is. So let's put a little background color on it when you mouse over, just little things like that. And I can just go through and knock those out, whereas any other developer wouldn't be like, I need a design for this or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the type of thing I'm talking about. The reality is like, also none of that matters. And a part of me is like, well, if I have a, a, an employee, I want to channel their time into the highest impact thing. And I'm going to tell them like, that's one of these, you know, that's this project, bulk actions, what we're working on right now, go work on that. If an employee were trying to do the shit I'm doing right now, I'd be like, you're kind of just noodling around on a bunch of unimportant stuff. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess you have to remind me, like, why are you doing coding in, again? <laughs> I'm I, For fun? It's going to blow your mind because you're so busy right now. I'm out of stuff to do. <laughs> I uh, the, the company's so calm right now. Or, uh, there's just not much else going on. Like... CEO is normally like an 80% time job for me. And then I fill in the other 20% with random other things. CEO is like a 10% time job right now. There's just not much to do. And for fun. I'm loving the coding, to be clear. Uh, it's way better than being a developer is way better than being a CEO for, for someone like me. Um, but no, I, I literally don't know what else I would work on. I mean, what is there any reason? You, and I, I think we talked about this last time. Just refresh me. Did... did you can't jump into the and accelerate the projects that are most important because you're not as up to speed on the frameworks and the way of developing. Yeah, I can I can do some of it. Um, another problem is as soon as something depends on me, I'm always nervous that at any moment, like at any moment, an employee could quit or we could get sued or you know just things come up. And when my ten percent job could go to back to 90% at any moment. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be like deep in, I, I don't want to be a blocker of other people on one of our most important projects and then get pulled into something else. There's some things like I can eat around the edges of some of it, but that's my main concern about just diving in and being a normal dev in every other way. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I don't exactly want to give the impression I'm like agonizing over this. The reality is I'm just like, I'm on the playground, like having fun right now. But if a month from now I'm still I still have time coding, I do need to like harness myself a little better than I have been. I think. Yeah, that, that's a good. I think that's the key point here. Is like, is this like if this, if this is just like a break that you're taking and you're 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 kind of noodle like noodling is a good word like and you're you're polishing 
Um, I think that's a good thing for a manager to do every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, is to, you know, think about like the, I guess the analogy would be like a, a restaurant manager, you know, it's not that helpful for them to jump in and start waiting tables, but it's, it's good for them to, you know, walk around and maybe, uh, dust off the glasses and, you know, um, oh man, maybe, maybe we need to upgrade some, you know, some plates. Uh, and those are calls that they can make in real time that perhaps like the bus boys aren't, aren't really thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm feeling good. And I, I have the things I've been doing are very good to have. It's not like I'm working on totally worthless projects. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, how much of your, uh, how, what, what would happen if you said, I am just going to think about how to grow? All I'm going to so, do with this time is how can I make this grow faster? Yeah, I went through that thought process. We've kind of talked before where uh, maybe a couple months ago, I basically said, like, I have no fucking idea what to do with growth. And I'm just placing all of my chips on the bet that if we just make the product good enough, not that that will maximize growth necessarily, not that that's better than if you came in, I'm sure you could figure something out, but that it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I I spent like a week maybe when things started to slow down. I started with exactly what you're saying. I started saying, obviously, I should be working on growth. And I went in and I'm like, Okay, let's let's categorize what the growth things are. I could I could write content, I could do some SEO, I could work on ads, I could do this or that. Everything I came up with, either we've already got someone on the team who's executing it as well as I could, and I'm not really sure what I would add, or I have no idea what to do. And we've tried a million times in the past and it's never moved the needle at all. I just I walked away from that little like discovery experience, kind of thinking I uh I don't really have a good sense of what I would actually do. Do you feel like you can uh, talk me through that, or like, like what would you do in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just went to a, I just went to a site like one of your pages, and just like was just like, let's go around like this, like how to buy a, C- how do I buy a CRM? It looks like a new page. I don't know. Is that new? Or is no, that something? Okay. that's that's pretty old. But yeah, the um, hard. Well, I'm sorry. Good. Well, I was just gonna say like I just quickly like pulled that up and. Um, it looks like it's not like responsive very well. So like that would be something that's like coding design, um, and potentially affecting your SEO, um, and usability of the marketing site. So like, uh, the section that says, what is a CRM, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't respond when you, when you go down to like mobile size. So, so what, what I was like, I don't know, I would just start poking at things, doing exactly what you're doing on the product side, but this is not. I, I can't explain to you how to do it exactly. It's just yeah. like, you guys, like the, the, the things I would do is like, just go start poking at things. Like what's how's the website looking like? How many people are on this page right now? Um, so I did some of that. Yeah. Um, good point about this page. One of the reasons I didn't look at this is it gets zero traffic. Nope. Maybe that's a chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. But, but like, okay, here's what, what do you think the value of that page could be? Is it SEO? Is it that someone comes to our site and chooses to read it? Well, I, I clicked on it because it was um, highlighted, highlighted, and in the footer. Um, so it looked like an important page. Um, yeah, we should probably get rid of that, but yeah. So that, like that's why I just started clicking around. I, I mean, I don't, I couldn't tell you like why that was important or not, but like yeah. um, the, the problem. Yeah, you're, you're so you're right. I, I probably should go like clean up the site a bit. Uh, the thing is, like, let's imagine we wanted to invest in that page. There's no way that page is ever making the front page of Google. There's no way we're beating HubSpot and Pipedrive and Salesforce and Software Advice and Capter. Like, 
every time I'm just kind of a nihilist about uh, especially like zero sum game marketing where it's like there are 10 links on the front page. You have to be one of those 10. We're never going to be one of those 10. Except for long tail, but I don't even think that exists anymore. Yeah, it's true. Do, do you like do you I mean, how many how many free trials that never converted do you have in your in your version of the CRM? Uh, yeah, good question. I don't know the number, but th- this is actually something we've just started. Um, so Eunice, our marketer is on sabbatical right now. So like uh, some of this ground to a halt while she's gone, but we were talking about like, yeah, let's reach out to, I don't know, like 30,000 people or something like that. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Like, I mean, it's not like that's incremental, right? It's not like going to like open up a new channel, yeah. but like it, it's something. And I don't know. I, that's. I, I know the answer to the question. It's just like this doesn't like this doesn't interest you. It's not something that you want to wake up and do. Um, it, but yeah, it, like I, I guess like maybe it's maybe it's going. What if you spent all your time just like going and talking to other people who are good at marketing, um, not marketing, but like growth, mm-hmm. like and 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 just like made it your job like for six months. And while you've got this free time to just like figure out one person to hire to solve this problem. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We can't, we don't have the budget to hire anyone. Now I know you could say, well, this person could come in and grow it or yada, yada. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say the one person, like your job is to, uh, seek because like you're limited right now by your internal, uh, sort of capacity and capability. Um, and you, you kind of deem this to sort of not like outside, like you don't know what to do is what you said earlier on this well, and, call. Yeah. You remember when we we hired Demand Maven though to come in and like put a mark a whole comprehensive marketing strategy together, and they were like, you know, Google AdWords, Captera, a little bit of SEO, send emails to your newsletters, like all the stuff we're already doing. <laughs> I walked away. That a huge part of why I'm so discouraged is that not that I'm not saying Demand Maven did a bad job, but like, or I don't know if they did or not, but like I walked away from that being like, oh, so you don't have any ideas either, huh? <laughs> Yeah, but I I do like you maybe talk to just more people, maybe. I I I just um I have a suspicion that uh that if you talk about this enough uh and and seek advice on it enough, not not from like a consultant, but from other founders and other uh you're going to find someone who solved this exact problem before. I have I have talked to a handful of people and I don't know who that person is. Everyone mm. seems to be struggling right now. Many of the podcasts I listen to, people are saying like things that used to work just don't work anymore. Uh, do you know anyone who you feel like a small SaaS, co- like not Lucid Chart, but like a small SaaS company in a crowded space that seems to be making it work? No, but like, I, I believe I could find them. Um, yeah. so, so like, I guess here's what I'm saying is like your $3 million plus, is it four now? It will be after a price increase goes into effect. Yeah, so you're <laughs> a three, you know, to $4 million AR business. Um, okay. So like the downside is you, you don't build a lot of margin into your product from a, uh, uh operating margin perspective because you, you pay everyone a lot of money. So there's not a lot, like, like a lot of like go spend a bunch of cash on, marketing and the a the ACV small, whatever. But like this is something that has worked and it's like Yeah. There like it should be a lot the, the market is large enough for this that it should be trivial to, you know, 
cracked some sort of growth code here that takes it to 10 million. Here's the thing about the, this is a thing that has worked thing. Like I've, I've said, I've framed it this way many times on the podcast before. Of like, how did we get here? And the answer is I was just building features that seemed cool. I, yeah, I I'm don't, not I don't saying mean, that'll work again, but that, that is what worked in the past. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that how you got here is how you're going to get to 10 million. What I'm saying is when you have a $3 million business in a multi-billion dollar market um, with extremely high CSAT and MPS scores, retention, and uh, you're the lowest priced, best product, like... Well, we're uh, not the best. Pro- I mean, of everything you just said, though, the thing is product quality is the weakest of all of that. When you're the lowest priced option that is good enough, let me yeah. just say it that way. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's something like, okay, like some, there, someone could take that and go, okay, I could turn this into a $10 million business. Now, what I don't know is what budget they need to do that. And, and perhaps like anyone who could do that would require... Uh, funds that that the operating budget doesn't support. Well, and I mean, even setting aside the operating budget, like there, I think what we are seeing over the last six months or so is there were a ton of quote unquote high growth, successful SaaS companies that were all just a, a zero interest rate phenomenon. None of them were growing in a way that actually works economically. They were, they were spending $2 to make $1. Which is part of why it's so hard for companies like us to grow is because like the AdWords cost twice as much as they used to. Mm. I agree. There's a certain you could spend money and get customers. Could you spend money and actually make that money back? Yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly what I'm saying um, with the operating budget thing. I thought you meant our. Yeah, you're saying uh, much more eloquently, which is like on a unit economics basis, can you make it work? And um, I don't. I, I believe like. The answer is yes, um, it has to be. And I believe if you can't, perhaps that is an argument for you to raise prices. Yeah. So the, the point is like, whatever it, if so we can't raise prices. And, and what I mean by that is what you said earlier is we're the cheapest option and we're good enough. A $5 price increase. We're not, we're not as cheap as pipe drive anymore. Um, and they have every feature we have and more, um, yeah, they're they have a they have a good uh, they have a, that's what we use. Yeah, pipe pipe drive is a good product. I I think we are a better product for a lot of people. Um, I, what I'm I, I'm not I, I, what I'm about to say is a total cop out and not exactly confronting. You're you're saying the right thing. You're right, and I also think at the end of the day, what you said at the beginning of this, which is I'm going to go do what I want to do, what I enjoy doing, <laughs> is probably the answer. But like the way I'm kind of rationalizing it is, I think in 2014. Or like pick a year where we had good growth, and that was one of them. Uh, you could say basically we have more or less all the features any other CRM. Not we don't have the enterprise features that they have, but like if you look at any other CRM, there's like three or four pricing tiers, and one is around what we cost, and then one's twice as much, and one's five, five times as much, and one's ten times as much. We're not competing with the higher pricing tiers. We're competing with the lower pricing tier of all our competitors. And in 2014, we had all the features they had, and. Plus, we were cheaper. Plus, we had better customer service. Plus, our product's easier to use. In 2023, we don't have some of the key features. And I do think like catching up is an important part of, um, of being able to attract customers. Now, 
that doesn't negate what you're saying that we're kind of neglecting marketing potentially. Yeah. But if that's an important part, like, and I, I can contribute so much, I know how to do that. I know how to contribute. Whereas every marketing thing any of us have tried over the last five years seems to have been a total flop. That's what's so hard about it. No, I know. Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't think you can do anything differently, but it's just the, the only thing I think that, you, that, that I would, I think all I'm trying to draw attention to is there's another use of your CEO time, yeah. which is identifying future talent and uh, future longer term roadmap items that could grow the business in the future. Um, that might be more like, it might be extremely uncomfortable for you and it might not like lead to any value in the next year, but it's something that could be the difference between like millions and millions of dollars of growth, uh, in the next 10 years. Um, and you don't always have time to do these things. And it sounds like right now you have the time to sort of daydream a little bit. And instead of polishing some back shadows, uh, <laughs> that might be a better use of your time. And so just to recap, you're saying basically go talk to a bunch of people and say, who has the skill set to actually grow this company with the the margins that we've got? Yeah. And maybe, maybe broader than that, it's uh, articulate, clear, make sure you're clear on what your vision is for the company in 10 years um, and, and start reverse engineering that um, and uh, thinking, talking to people who can help you think through that. Um, uh, one of those things I think would, would be like, Let's imagine a world where we have a a a, a marketing function that is, um, you know, like a big part of our growth. Like, which I I don't know if that's part of your vision or not. Maybe it's not. Um, I mean, I prefer not. Yeah. If, if we could grow the way we did ten years ago, I'd much rather grow that way. Yeah. But that's maybe a big. I, I guess. I guess. I, I guess. Um. I, I don't know what the right words are to say to uh to to the to to. to I don't know what the right specific focus is, but I think the general area of focus is thinking beyond the next year and, um, assuming that, that you've got the team to execute on what you need right now and, and getting further ahead than you've ever gotten, um, and developing relationships that can help you in a year, uh, and thinking through the next set of problems that you're going to face if, uh, things go as planned and if things don't go as planned. I can we I know we've been talking about me for a lot, but so what you just said sounds good at a high level, but also I have no idea what any of it means, kind of <laughs> like uh, like. So, first of all, I, I want to know we're not a high growth company. You're you know, your day job, you're used to like every six months, everything changes. And you have when you say think ahead, you're thinking, what is the company going to be a year from now? Even if everything goes well, a year from now, Lessening Serum is going to be fundamentally more or less what it is today. It's just instead of adding 600 users a month, we're going to add 700 users a month. Um, that's that's what I want. And it's not like a radically different company than what it is today. I, I do think like my sense is it's very tactical is what the the challenges we face are. They're not vision related. They're not strategy related. Do, do you disagree with that? Um I, this may just be a way of thinking that I have that, that maybe is different, but like, um, what are the risks? Like whatever your goal is, if it's 700 in a year, then it's probably 10 years. It's what? 15, 1500. So, so everything is around like, how do we get to that 1500? 
Well, uh, let's put it, I'm fine with linear growth. I do not okay. need accelerating growth. So 600, 700, eight, like in 10 years, multiply it times 10? The same net growth forever. Oh, okay. So the reason, I, yeah. when I say 600 users, I don't mean net, I mean gross or whatever. Like mm. 600 new users, uh, 550 churning. So we're adding 50 users a month. I'm kind of making up numbers, but let's use that. I'd like to be adding 700, so we're adding 150 a month. And in 10 years, it'd be nice to be adding, like, because we're bigger, we'll be churning more, but I'm fine netting 150 users a month 10 years from now. Like, okay. I'm not trying to become a totally different company, you know? Yeah, and, and, that, and I'm not, that's not what I'm suggesting. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I think I think the right conversation is, like, what's the what's your role as the CEO of this company? Yeah. And that's what you're, that's how you talked about the, co- that's how we're, that's what we're talking about, right? Like, we got lost in the coding weeds for a second there, but, like, that's fundamentally what, what we're talking about. You have a plan that you're executing. Um, there, there are risks with that plan. There are threats to that plan. There are opportunities to accelerate that plan. Um, there are people uh, that 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 are are part of that plan that or and people that are not yet a part of that plan. Um, and I think if you were to like spend time thinking through like what are the risks? How do I mitigate them? What are the threats? How do I mitigate them? Um, what, what what are my like what, what people am I going to need in the future to to be able to execute this? Do I have the the, ba- the bench for that um, and the relationships to, to hire for that. Um, it, it might, it might cause you to like do things differently, but if it, if it doesn't, then maybe you just do what you're doing. Well, when I say it's about tactics though, so I've done all the things you just said, mm-hmm. probably poorly. I think that's the problem. The problem isn't that I haven't given myself, like I've spent more, much more time over the last two years thinking about growth and building a growth team and what's how to operate it and wh- how to prioritize things much more time on that than I have on product. Um, and it didn't work. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not telling you you're wrong that there's opportunity for it to work, but it's, I don't think it's about giving myself space. It's, I don't know what the fuck to do, you know? Yeah. And that's, and generally like when you don't know what to do, it's like, that's like why I went to like, go talk to people and tell them that you don't know what to do and let them ask you questions and do that like a hundred times. Yeah. Um, so I've done it like 10. Yeah. Maybe the problem is Th- those extra 90 would would do it but yeah. the, the 10 i've done have not been encouraging <laughs> like i hired demand maven i've talked to a handful of founders everyone's like i don't fucking know um <laughs> what, like specifically what type of person do you think i should be seeking out to talk to i know you don't know the person like what's interesting like i've talked to a bunch of people about this problem like every founder mm-hmm. is wants to grow and every founder needs help growing and they don't, if they knew what to do, they wouldn't be talking to me. Right. Like, so they, like I talked so, to, sorry, founders. they're coming to you. Cause they're like, I'm struggling. Can you help me? Right. Yes, or, yes. Okay. Yeah. Or, or not. I'm, I'm struggling. They don't phrase it like that. It's usually like, Hey, I'm a half a million dollar business or I'm a million dollar business and I want to get to 10 million, uh, you know, or 5 million. And you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the bottleneck. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's less, they're more generally more sales oriented than technically yeah. oriented. And they're just like bottlenecking on growth, growth, r- scalable growth. And so like, it's a common problem, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you, 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 you sort of plateau at this place and, and it, it, as a founder, you don't know what to do. And so fundamentally you're seeking a person who can come in and figure out how to do it. Like that's, that is the main lever for growth. Um, and so I think you want someone who, knows how to grow a business. <laughs> um, but, but like, I, I guess like, I don't know. I, I, I think that I, I, 
I don't think you've ever, this is where less annoying CRM is extremely different than any other business that I have talked to, which is you haven't solved problems by hiring people from the outside. Yeah. You've solved problems. I've tried. That has gone horribly wrong. I've tried, but yes, you're yeah, right. I, I do think like, and that's worked well, I think for service and development and product and, and like in your realm of ex, of excellence, but like there's just missing, it just feels like there's just missing yeah. like sort of domain expertise uh, on the growth side of the business um, that, that uh, only gets solved by adding a person um, with that domain expertise um, to, to complement the existing team. I think I can buy. Th- so Eunice is not that person in the sense that she hasn't done it elsewhere. I think she's doing, she's putting in the input. I, I don't like my guess is uh, it's, it's not that she's failing because she doesn't know what to do or whatever. I, she's not failing to be clear. We're just not, yeah, I wouldn't say she's failing. Yeah. We're not crushing it. And she would say that too. But like, I guess, my guess is if we were to do this, someone else would come in and do no better than her. I think she's doing all the right stuff. I think that this is fundamentally hard. Yeah. But I'm willing to experiment with that, but I, I'll i just say right now, like the idea, you're talking about hiring. I would be very open to... So this is what, what Demand Maven was, and maybe we need to try more of this, but like, I wouldn't hire someone because I don't think they'll succeed. And I don't want to put someone in a position to fail. Now, I'd be happy to bring on a marketing agency. I'd be happy to bring on a freelancer because they're going to leave anyway. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Um, do you think the person you're talking about could be a temporary person like that? Or are you kind of saying, no, this needs to be a cultural shift. This needs to be like, it needs to be an actual member of the team. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, but I, I just, I, I think exploring that is something yeah. that would be interesting to use of your time comparatively to what we've been talking about like s- truly like exploring uh levers there but maybe I, you've done that like to your point and you're like hey i'm i'm gonna play this the, i'm gonna play this the way that i want to play I, like know how to yeah. play it and and i'm gonna i'm gonna be happy with the res- i'm gonna be okay with the results it's not a money thing to be clear like you know two years ago or one year ago when we were when we were doing the demand maven thing we kind of said you know, if we spend a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars on trying stuff, even if none of it works, that's like I'm I'm willing to eat that. That's fine. Um, and we did. You know, we I don't remember what we spent on them, but it was probably fifty or something. And we've spent way more money on various ad channels, and some of it's worked, some of it hasn't. I'm happy to pay someone money to come in and try this. You're saying talk to people. I mean, I've I'm just like stalling at the execution of this. Who do I pay to come in to do this? <laughs> I've talked to people and no one's been like, oh, you got to, it's, it's Brad. Go, go hire Brad, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I, I think like there's nothing more to talk about here. I just, it's networking, Tyler, and you hate it. Yeah. Also, it's- I should say you can network remotely. St. Louis does not have this person. <laughs> Like there's, there's no successful SaaS company in St. Louis, <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, hmm. I'm going to big snow, tiny conf in a couple months. I might this would be uh, a great topic for that. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did this last year there too. Yeah. And again, and there was actually like a marketing this, this, this talking about this. <laughs> well, everyone there said the same thing. Not, not to me, but everyone had, everyone there is like, I've got a pretty successful business that's stalling. What do I do? Like that's kind of the, <laughs> not literally everyone, but, um, yeah. Anyway, okay, I'll keep this in mind. I will. Let me just 
like cap off my, since we've been talking about me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say one thing about your business that, um, it kind of terrifies me a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. not for you, but like in general, like when I'm thinking about a business, um, and it, I have a similar kind of player, you're in a business that is, uh, competing against funded startups. Um, and like pipe drive is extremely well-funded. Um, and, uh, like at the end of the day, like their product is really, really good. I have, I, I have the same sort of feeling, uh, relative to gusto in the, in the, in the health insurance space. It's like they do so much and they're cheap and they're like, actually I use them myself. Like, you know, it's like, it's it's just like so good. Um, and so, uh, the, the element that like, I always fall back to it. Like a pelt is we're going to be so good at this one thing. And, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, they're going to buy us. And, um, and I don't know if that works on the, in the CRM it. Yeah. You, you're, you're kind of like either it or not it. Um, but, it, but, but, but maybe that argues for a, a add on service than making the ser- existing service better. Um, that's playing more defense long-term than, than, uh, you know, trying to compete head to head. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes me more bullish on the forms thing that we've been talking, which is one of our top priorities right now. It, this reminds me of a conversation we've had before about like SAS is very hard, um, content like selling books or courses is much easier and one of the big reasons it's much easier is just because a person bought a book on startups doesn't mean they're not going to buy another book on startups oh, um, yeah. it increases the odds of them buying another one mm-hmm. any business where your competition isn't really competition because someone might buy both there's other reasons why it's not as good but yeah it's it's an appealing characteristic and i agree leg up health could definitely have that yeah. Like, like we've seen it with Gusto, like Gusto does group health insurance. They do payroll. We don't, we don't do payroll, but we do health insurance a lot better and it doesn't cost you anything. So no just one's like, buying Gusto because they do group health insurance. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. We've talked, thank you for yeah. humoring me. Let's, what, no, what about I, you? I, I found that really useful for me. Like <laughs> I, I thought that was fun to talk about. So cool. I, I don't know if it was helpful to you at all, but um, I, I actually, I don't, I don't know if it made good listening, but some, something <laughs> I kind of to, to meta conversation real quick. I think my favorite podcast episodes we do are ones where we don't, my least favorite ones are ones where I come in and say, here's a thing I did. What about you? What did you do? (laughs) (laughs) And the ones I like are some kind of debate or brainstorming or like we're trying to make friends. Even if we fail, I think in this case we kind of failed, but I appreciate all your thoughts. I'm going to try it. I'm going to keep it in mind, but I enjoy a back and forth. We're actually trying to build new ideas. I agree. I, I, yeah. And I, I, I just want to say one more thing about this. I, 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 the last thing that I just said, I think is actually what I think takes me away from advocating for going and figuring out how to grow what it is today and more about like figuring out that next product, um, that you can sell independently. Um, which I didn't think I was going to end up there. I don't think I've ever gotten there. I've, so you're uh, saying I get to go code? Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Is that what you're so, telling so, me? <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I think like every time we talked about features in the past, it was always like, how do we make the CR? How do we grow the CRM business? It wasn't like how do we defend the business against, um, you know, you know, kind of being a one trick kind of pony. And that's that's a very different conversation that I don't think we've ever had before. Yeah. So I I think I've said this much less eloquently, but I'm starting to hone down. What I think we need to do with product is meet the baseline of what people expect with the CRM and then figure out something we do better. Um, And the problem is like five years ago, we met the baseline and today we don't. 
And even if we do, maybe we should just do the thing we do better. But I think like a business I would really like to run, I would enjoy, and that I think would work is we're cheap, we have great customer service, and we do all the shit you need from a CRM. So we're tied with everyone else. And then what about this other thing? And what's that other thing? So yeah, for a lot, for our current customers, the other thing is either customer service or simplicity. Um, but I, I would love it if it's, oh, and also you don't have to buy a forms tool and an appointment scheduler. And it's, it's like more of a business in a box and less of just like a CRM. Yeah. I mean, if you compare yourself to like a pipe drive, those are all add-ons and they can't get for the base fee. Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, all right. Thank you. Yeah. I know you've got a time limit here. Do you want to talk yeah, about this? Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got a couple of 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 things. Like last last time we were talking about like, ooh, did we hit an inflection point at Lega Pelt? Uh, uh, I think we were talking about um, the product that you built in July called Lega Benefits. Um, we we offer we created a free version of it um, that basically takes away the service component and just makes it so that it's uh, 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 a a way for employers to add employees to our concierge or our. our uh, our lead kind of as a lead tool. And that's gone really, really well. Um, we've generated a lot of leads and it's just eliminated friction and selling the concept. Uh, and so now we've got this different problem where we've got a bunch of leads and how do we, how are they going to convert into, um, clients? Um, and so we're, that's playing out. Um, uh, one, one client, it's like a 20, I think a 25, 30% conversion rate, which, um, is lower than what I would have anticipated. And so, so a client adds, X number of new employees, 10 employees. And you're saying three of them make us their agent. Yep. Um, and, uh, we've had a couple of, since then, we've also had a few, uh, customers elect to pay for the service, um, mm-hmm. uh, for their employees. And so, um, it's been, it's been interesting, um, to, to watch that happen. I, I, I do feel like we hit an inflection point, uh, for like, I don't like, we're not like figuring it out anymore. We're now like in this, um, we're not figuring out how to sell this thing. Like, uh, JD and I had a, uh, we have a weekly touch base on Wednesday mornings and he told me, he goes, I don't, I can, if, if I have a, a, a marketplace client, um, uh, health insurance, uh, consumer who is not, uh, who, who is not our client yet, but they have health insurance. He knows how to ask for the AOR for, to mm-hmm. be the agent of record for them, um, and get it like that. We didn't know how to do that at the beginning of the year. Uh, we didn't know how to do group health insurance at the beginning of the year. So we started doing that and we've got to figure that out. Um, and then now we've got this like a benefits thing in our tool, uh, in our, in our tool set. That's like, um, we can now like offer it for free or, and we've proven that we can charge money for it multiple times. Um, and so I feel like we're going to exit this open enrollment period with a lot of like learnings in terms of like, what is actually, how does this like flow down into money? But more importantly, we're not going to have to go spend next year figuring out how to do all this stuff. We're just going to go, okay, how do we grow this thing? And uh, I think it's going to be a very different challenge. Yeah, I okay, I agree with all that. But I'm, I, let me in, propose that maybe there's a thing between where we are and let's grow this thing, which is, do we have total clarity on what the thing is? And what I mean by that is, yeah, the consumer thing and asking for AOR is working better than it was. And now we know how to sell group insurance. And now we've got some leg up benefit stuff. If you imagine a company that's oper- that's executing really, really well five years from now, it's not probably, it, it's probably like one of these things dominates the business model. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's and it's um, the, the one thing is the leg up benefits thing. Okay. 
and so that's but but, but the but but the AOR thing is a big piece of that. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I you said thirty percent conversions less than you were guessing or hoping or whatever, but the dip, the flip side is original like. In a world where people where employers are paying for leg up benefits, it's hard to make that sale. So you're you're you know you're converting one out of ten employer leads, and then you're only conver- converting thirty percent of their employees, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. In a world where it's free, my impression is there's no reason that like every single company that doesn't offer group insurance should be using leg up benefits. Like, why would anyone say no to this? The only reason would be our inability to articulate what we do. Mm-hmm. In which case, 30% could be fine, right? It could be like, we've got 100,000 employees in here, 30,000 of them made us the agent, and that's a great business. Yep. Yep. Are you leaning more towards, like, you said some are paying, some are free. Like, uh, what's the rhyme or reason behind, or I don't know. Like, if next year, do you think a better growth focus is go get a bunch of free employers, or figure out a way to make money from the employers directly. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's get a bunch of employers and um, some of them sell, some of them paid and some of them free and um, mm-hmm. don't worry about what the mix is. Um, some of them are going to be groups. Uh, so, yeah. so I, I think if we, if we, the, the thing I fantasize about is I think our sweet spot is going to be this like 10 to 15, 10 to 20 employee company. Um, I think it's gonna be bigger than what it was that people keep. Um, and, and Zay benefits, which was more like a four or five person company. And I, I think if we could go get 50 of these 10 to 20 person companies, whether they're on group, whether they're on leg up benefits, whether they're on leg up benefits paid, uh, or free. Um, I, I think that is what we want to go try to do next year. Um, and that, that, that translates to some form of revenue. Um, yeah. and I, I think we'll figure out what it is that, that triggers someone to go, oh yeah, this is worth, uh, 200 bucks a month, me paying a subscription for versus me doing the free version. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what the cutoff is for that, but I think, I think it's some one part so, like software service, uh, one part service. The reason I'm asking about this is like, you know, as we just spent 40 minutes covering, I'm allergic to marketing. I, I just find it very difficult. Selling group insurance sounds very difficult and charging people 20 bucks per employee for leg up benefits sounds very difficult in the way that leg up or that the lessening serum is very difficult. If you told me go market a free product for companies that don't have insurance right now, I'd be like, that sounds fucking easy. <laughs> yeah. Like um, that does not sound intimidating to me at all. Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think it's hard in that, uh, uh, so it's, it's, I think it's hard to sell a free thing to a, a, gen, a general entity that doesn't necessarily have pain today. I think it's easier to sell, hey, you have this problem and we're going to solve it. And part of the reason we position the company as a group health insurance, like a benefits or individual health insurance is to be able to go out with a message to our ICP, our ideal customer mm-hmm. and say, we don't care what you're doing today. Uh, we don't care what you do in the future. We've built a service that is will support you offering the best benefits you can. Um, let us serve you. If you're on group health insurance, we'll become your agent at no cost to you. If you are on, uh, if you don't offer health insurance, we have a free service uh, that you can start offering tomorrow. Um, and we don't know necessarily whether or not when we're when we're reaching out whether they have group health insurance or not, but we're uh, kind of 
taking him out. To take we're saying that we can solve the problem no matter what. Absolutely, but you you were talking about pain. Who has more pain? A company with group health insurance or a company without? And I think it's the one without. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, uh, JD would say that the the people with group health insurance have a lot of pain. Um, but from an administrative standpoint, uh, there's so much involved in in executing it. Uh, when you when you hire someone, um, the renewal process is awful. Uh, it's expensive. Yeah, are they know. seeking out like? I'm not saying it's a good experience, but I would think that they're kind of thinking, well, that's what group health insurance is. We're doing it. Someone who doesn't have group health insurance, as someone, an entrepreneur who was until somewhat recently running a company without health insurance, <laughs> once a month an employee's like, hey, where's our health insurance, buddy? Uh, I just feel like it's a much more acute, like, there is a thing, like, this. people are bringing this up with me. My employees are bringing this up with me all the time. Anyway, I'm yeah. kind of going on yeah, a... Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's absolutely... I, I think that our ICP is a, it, it, we, we can't look up publicly whether people have group health insurance or not um, mm-hmm. in the, in the size ranges that we're going after. And so fundamentally we need to have a message that, you know, positions us regardless of whether they offer group health insurance or not. But as we reach out to people, it'll be interesting to see like, is the response rate and the conversion rate for a company with group health insurance versus without higher, lower, different, yeah. um, as we, as we start that outreach, um, and, and, and gather the information. But I think we need to, I I think next year is, it's going to be about like, how do we, how do we do that very intentionally? Um, Mm -hmm. and how do we measure sort of what's working and what's not, and then do more of what's working and less of what's not. Yeah. It could be, it could be that the free, the free version is what, is what resonates. And I would have no problem like saying that's what we do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, oh yeah, we also do those things when you, when, when, when you, when you need it, uh, but, but but with outreach, maybe that's what we lead with. Because like a thing that happens to me, to less knowing CRM and other like bottom of the market SaaS products all the time is someone starts using you and then they kind of graduate beyond you. I could I it wouldn't shock me if five years from now the group and the paid leg up benefits is what people graduate to. It's rather than letting them graduate to something else, they graduate to this. But the entry point for almost everyone, and I'm I'm just theorizing. Like I fully support what you're saying of like let's go find out. Um. That just feels intuitively reasonable to me. Well, what people graduate into right now is actually group health insurance. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and then it's 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 and then between that, maybe it's a paid leg up benefits. Yeah, but that we're not selling group health insurance to a new client by and large. In in if if this guess that I'm making ends up being correct, um, it's like a freemium product, right? Like you don't. It's it's a bottom up instead of a top down. Yeah, I guess what I, I guess like yeah, if you work through like a workflow, let's say we get a referral from a, a customer that doesn't have group health insurance currently, um, which would be the scenario. If they already had group health insurance, we might AOR it, but that's different. That's a different yeah. thing. So there's a company that doesn't have group health insurance today. It's like, hey, I'm interested in group health insurance. It was like, great, happy to run quotes for you, but you should start immediately on free a free like a benefits account, like regardless zero of downside. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and get started. We can start the group health insurance process independently of that. Yeah, exactly. And they get the quote and probably year one, they look at it and they're like, yikes. And then a few years later, they're like, all right, I'm ready. One of our leg ups benefits customers um, for three years, every year, it's like, you know, let's sort of reevaluate group health insurance. And every year it's like, that's too expensive. <laughs> and it just keeps getting more expensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, cool. We, we out of time or you want to talk about this uh, other topic here? Um, I'll just mention that 
it's it's related to planning, but I'm 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 really excited about. Uh, we had our partner meeting last week, I think, um, and we talked about doing a offsite. And I just want to share that one thing that you brought to that. There are two things that you always bring to that meeting that I think is super helpful. One is you bring um, experience in the phase that we are in, um, and there's a there's sort of just a calm reassurance that like the su- pain and suffering that. Uh, <laughs> you know, JD in particular is going through right now, like how hard it is being alone, like kind of solo, um, early days. Um, you just like reassure that and say, Hey, like, this is just part of it. Um, the second thing you bring is like helping us get out of like the day to day. Um, and so one, one thing, um, I just wanted to share that I, I, I'm really looking forward to is we, we, we started talking about our February offsite where we're going to, um, start planning next year and what we want to do. And one of your stipulations for that was, um, well, as long as we're not talking, like we have space to actually like be creative and think versus like doing updates. Um, and so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this, creating the space, uh, for a, an offsite where we actually just let ourselves really think about, you know, what we want leg up health to be and, um, the ways we can, uh, make it happen. So, yeah, I'm um, excited too. I'm terrified. I thought it was- it was interesting because we were talking about where to do it and you and JD were, or I think you especially were like, you know, we've done, like, I live in Utah. We ski trips too obvious. We've done that before. Let's not, we ultimately decided that probably is what we're going to do because the great thing about skiing is 70% of the time you're sitting on a chairlift with nothing to do. Yep. That's great. I can't imagine a better situation to just like daydream with people. Especially if it's a powder day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, planning a leg up health offsite. Um, and I just need to get, uh, muscle up the courage to ask my wife if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> Thanks. Let me know if I can help. Hey, it's your birthday. Now's the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the, maybe this is the day. Um, drop the bomb. But, uh, anyway, yeah, it's good. It's good to catch up with you. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you uh, later. All right. See ya.